Good afternoon. You're listening to KTOO. I'm Yvonne Cremery. This summer, Interior Secretary Deb Holland signed a direct hire agreement with the Alaska Native Science and Engineering Program, or ANSEP. As KYUK's Francisco Martinez-Cuello reports, that means ANSEP students will have more chances to land federal jobs. When Deb Holland signed the agreement, ANSEP students who had been interning in Washington, D.C., crowded into the room to watch. And so did the program's assistant director, Naisa Murphy. But to be part of the moment was something else. And it has implications beyond, you know, just being there for the signing. Like you think of signing a piece of paper as just being kind of black and white. But it was very much more than that. And I don't think that any of us fully realized that gravity until we were there, seeing that this is not just an experience that we have. It's all part of the Biden administration's push for diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility in the federal workforce, which the Interior Department is working toward with agreements like this one. The ANSEP program promotes careers in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics for students from Alaska Native backgrounds and rural Alaskan communities. According to its website, ANSEP works with more than 100 communities. Murphy thinks the program is invaluable. From elementary, um, especially middle schoolers, they do a lot of work with the school districts to bring students from different school districts year-round to Anchorage. And they do a computer build, they get hands-on experience and fun exposure to STEM. And then from there, they have the Acceleration High Schools. So they have one in Anchorage, one in Matsu, one in Bethel, and one in Kotzebue. Recently, ANSEP started a statewide Acceleration Academy where students live in Anchorage, take college-level courses, study, and participate in group sessions. ANSEP also partners with almost 100 private companies, nonprofit organizations, state and federal government agencies. One of those partnerships is the National Fish and Wildlife Foundation, where student Tatiana Corthius has been interning. I've been interning for the National Fish and Wildlife Foundation um, in Washington, D.C. All of these internships have allowed me to experience hand, hands-on work, whether it be in the field or in the professional office. These internships have also allowed me to network and meet new people, find my interests, find new, uh, try new things, and grow as a person. Corthius is a junior at the University of Alaska studying environmental science. Her family comes from Imanic, and she was raised in Bethel. The 22-year-old has been in ANSEP for almost a decade. ANSEP has allowed me to find my passion for the STEM field, more specifically in relation to, like, environment and in the Arctic. Corthia spent the summer in the Fish and Wildlife Foundation's Rocky Mountain Regional Office working on grants and proposals. She said it could be overwhelming at times. Some of the grants can be very lengthy and very intimidating while there's a stack of papers in front of you. But as I've learned and got to experience that internship. I found that they're not so scary. They, my uh, mentors and supervisors have taught me what to look for and taught me how to uh, approach them. But Corthius feels this experience has set her up for success. I feel like it really relates to Alaska because, you know, maybe later on in life I'll be working on writing grants and proposals for our communities within Alaska. Corthius plans on continuing her education and getting her master's. Her goal is to work for one of ANSEP's partner organizations. Corthius credits her family for accomplishments. 
Um, my family has always supported me in trying new things, going out there in the world, conquering different things that I never thought I'd be able to conquer. And they've backed me up. They've supported me. They've guided me through all that I've done. Corthius's experience influenced her younger sister, Charlie, who's also an ANSEP student. She hopes the program continues to expand and provide opportunities not only for her sister, but for all Alaska Native students. In Bethel, I'm Francisco Martinez-Cuello. One of the most powerful storms to hit Alaska in the last five decades wreaked havoc on the state's west coast last fall. One year later, KYUK's Emily Schwing is checking in on some of the communities hit hardest by the remnants of Typhoon Marbach. We'll start in Hooper Bay. Hooper Bay Tribal Administrator Jan Olson slams down the gas pedal of his side-by-side off-road vehicle, and he drives through mist and spray from crashing Bering Sea waves. Olson makes a sharp left turn and pushes the side-by-side halfway up a grass-covered knoll. So this is all old Hooper Bay. There are historic photos from the 1920s and 30s of small sod houses with doorways built from driftwood. They're nestled right here in these sand dunes. But no one's lived here for a long time. New Hooper Bay lies about a mile and a half away on the other side of the dunes. That's where Olson was born and raised. Yes, the longest I was out of Hooper Bay was three months, and that was right out of high school. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I grew up in these hills. This was our playground, you know, all the dunes that we had. You know, it was our subsistence area. You know, we had so many uh, waterfowl. You know, there's, there's still, you could still come down here and find eggs. Even the um, shorebirds, you know, the ones that migrate all the way from uh, Asia. But that was back when there were several rows of dunes here. Now there's just one row left. And it's not just subsistence food resources that are threatened by the loss of the dunes. The Bering Sea is also reclaiming layers of history here. An archaeological dig in the 1950s turned up cultural items that date to 1600 A.D., Olson says a grave that was discovered years ago when the airport runway was undergoing upgrades is even older. So they did carbon dating and, you know, it was over 2,000 years old around the time when Jesus was walking around and preaching. Oh, this is, look what I found too at the beach. Christine Stone has a treasure she found in the dunes stored away in her back bedroom. It's a really antique. She keeps it in a hand-knitted red and white bag. Years ago, Stone says she was riding a four-wheeler near the dunes with three of her kids when something caught her eye. It was maybe blowing from the north, and it was laying on the sand. Wow. And I was like, I had my older kid driving for me, and me and my other daughters, we were on the sides sitting, and I go, hey, wait, I think I found a ulu. This ulu has a shiny, smooth, golden-brown wood handle. Its wide, curved blade is made from dark gray stone, and it's still sharp. I went off and went to go check, and it was this one, and, man, I was shaking when I found it. I was like, man, I found an ancient ulu. I couldn't believe it then it had handled. It was right on the sand. What an amazing find on the beach. I know. I was like, man, nobody 
ran over it and broke it into pieces. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, and it's a complete piece. An ulu like this is a treasured find in Hooper Bay. It links the people, like stone, with their history and their ancestors. And they're protective of that history, their stories and artifacts like this. As these dunes erode, they're concerned about all they could lose. As far as I can remember, we lose about seven or eight rows of hills down, down here. Joe Bell is 82. By that old village down there, seven rows. Now we're on our last, uh, last six of hills. And then if they're gone, the ocean will be coming up. When Bell was young, his elders predicted this erosion. They told him the dunes would disappear, the seawater would rise, and the community would have to move. It's going to be a little uh, typical to try to explain some of the things that uh, I hear from our elders to pass it on to the, these uh, younger generations. Why is it going to be difficult? Because global warming, we're a cold weather people. We know how to survive through winters. That's my worry for this younger generation. Back on the beach, Jan Olson looks toward the crashing waves of the Bering Sea. He says his grandmother lived for more than 100 years, but he didn't believe her when she told him the weather and people would change. I was kind of naive, and I was like, yeah, right, you know, as a little boy, it's not going to happen. I don't, you know, how could it happen here? And in my lifetime, it's right now. So, you know, I was thinking maybe when I'm gone, you know, that's when it's going to happen. But it's right now. Like so many other leaders on Alaska's Yukon-Kuskokwim Delta, Olson is exploring whether his community can and should relocate. If they do, he says, they have to take the stories from these dunes with them. In Hooper Bay, I'm Emily Schwing. This is KTOO.